This episode of the Coin World Podcast is brought to you by the Coin World Marketplace. The Coin World Marketplace is the safest way to buy and sell your coins and bullion. Order from the dealer of your choice and pay safely and securely using our escrow checkout. Visit coinworld.market to browse our inventory today. Welcome to the Coin World Podcast. Here are your hosts, Chris Bullfinch and Jeff Stark. Welcome back to another edition of the Coin World Podcast. I'm Jeff Stark. And I'm Chris Bullfinch. We are delighted to be here today, this week, talking to you about some great news in the U.S. numismatic space. We're going to do a little uh, look back at my time at the World Money Fair in Berlin recently. And of course, as usual, delve into some historical notes as we love scraping the history books to find things to talk about. And if you enjoy our uh, assorted numismatic ramblings, and if you've enjoyed any of our previous episodes or any of the content that's been put out in relation to the podcast, and if you want to support us, the best way to do that is to subscribe on whatever platform uh, you get your podcasts, and to keep on listening every week. Every subscriber we have and every one of those listens not only means a lot to us, but it helps us continue doing what it is that we love to do, which is record this podcast. So remember to keep on listening and subscribe. Absolutely. And first off this week, we're going to talk about some news from the U.S. space. That's It's not news in the sense that groundbreaking like it was a year ago when it was announced, but it is interesting to know that this program is being continued. There's going to be some changes. And of course, I'm referring to the addition of the W mint mark on the quarter, the circulating quarter dollars. But this year, the new twist is a privy mark. So, whole, you want to t- so there's a whole new layer to this program. So as most of our listeners who have been at all in touch with the world of U.S. numismatics uh, know, beginning in 2019, each of the five America the Beautiful quarter dollars released to honor different national parks for all the different states, the, essentially the same program as the original state quarter program, but this time with national parks, that's been going on since 2010. In 2019, for the five, the five quarters that were released that year, two million of each of the five different locations, each of the five different parks that were being honored, two million quarters were struck at the West Point Mint and then scattered into the general sort of population of coins that were then released for circulation. So essentially they were creating sort of circulating rarities. The idea being that, you know, two million, that's a a far, far lower mintage figure than than a normal P or D coin produced at the Philadelphia or Denver Mint. The idea being to get people excited about picking coins out of change, because for so long, people were able to assemble sets largely complete, probably not entirely complete, you know, sets of wheat cents or buffalo nickels or anything from circulation. So the W Mint mark was added to quarters in 2019. And then the U.S. Mint announced that they would be continuing the program into 2020. So for the five quarters that are going to be released this year, beginning with American Samoa, which actually was just released on, the quarter was just released on February 3rd, they were going to continue striking 2020 W uh, Washington quarters. But the sort of wrinkle in all this is that as a reference to the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II, 1945 to 2020, that's 75 years, they were going to be adding a privy mark. Now, privy marks are historically were used to prevent counterfeiting. The idea being that different mints and different engravers would add small marks on coins to differentiate the sort of the genuine article from counterfeit material. And sometimes certain engravers would put their own personal mark that would serve as a privy mark. But they were usually used either to identify the location of minting, to identify the engraver, or to prevent counterfeiting. 
Now, usually most designers will just have their initials put very, very subtly somewhere in the design that they produce. So it, the sort of artist credit is no longer a justification for a privy mark. Anti-counterfeiting uh, methods have gotten quite a bit more sophisticated than they were in the 16th and 17th centuries when privy marks first came into common usage. But finally, privy marks are sometimes used, and they've been used by mints around the world, to celebrate a special occasion, to denote a commemorative coin, to acknowledge some event of national significance. Yeah, Canada so, Canada is probably the most notable example of a mint using privy marks. And I think the one that stands out to me certainly is one that collectors can encounter frequently, the silver maple leaves. There's a bunch of different privy marks out there, including one in uh, 1998 for the Titanic wreck. And of course, that was hmm. amid the big Hollywood movie splash uh, leo dicaprio right it's um but my, you know, my heart will go on that sort of thing yeah so i think though about the u.s privy mark usage it's interesting to note because this decision came so late in the game the american samoa coins with the privy mark will actually come last this year right and Where, the other so- and the other four of the coins will come before that. And that's interesting because the 2020 American Samoa quarter caused a little bit of a stir just by dint of its design. I think we talked about that last week or two weeks ago. I wrote an article. I've actually had two articles on the American Samoa quarter, but I wrote the, I covered for coin world. I covered the sort of public response to the design, which has been surprisingly, I mean, not only positive, but there's been a surprising amount of public reaction. But so it's interesting that, well, as you just alluded to the American Samoa quarter, which the regular circulation P&D coins are, were released on February 3rd. But now for the Privy Mark 2020 W quarters, those have now, as you just said, been moved to the back of the rotation for the five designs. Yeah, that coin, though, the design, it's nice that it received such positive feedback in social media and awareness. People are going to probably not forget about it by the time the special editions come out, but it seems that that they won't be as mixed together as the other issues will be because the bulk of these coins are being released, as you said, are already released uh, as of, you know, just last week as, as of this airing. So it's uh, sort of a staggered, (laughs) a staggered release for the Samoa, for the Samoa quarters. It's, it's really interesting though, the, the way this is being handled as a collector, what do you think of this addition to what was already a, a special coin? Well, aesthetically, the Privy Mark itself is actually very interesting in the sense that for commemorating the end of World War II, they have the lettering V75 is what is, is the main sort of feature of the Privy Mark. Victory, 75, 75 years since victory in World War II. What's even more interesting is the cartouche within which the letter and numbers V75 the cartouche, which is a, it's an art history term. It's basically, it dates back a long way, but in sort of, in, in type layout, in sort of typeface and layout, it's essentially sort of a border that surrounds usually text of some kind or an image of some kind. But it's a different relief. It's a slightly different level than the, uh, the rest of the surface of the coin. So it serves to kind of make whatever is within it kind of jump out or, or set whatever is in it against a background with which there's going to be better contrast. So a cartouche, that's your fun little art history term, the cartouche, the border and the sort of, and the different layer of contrast that that provides uh, is, is actually sort of interesting in the sense that it's basically a rectangle with two sort of rounded ends with, and what that's a reference to, it's actually not just the shape that, you know, makes sense on a coin design. 
it actually specifically refers to the World War II Memorial and the pool in the center of the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. So you have V-75, you know, Victory 75 Years, within the pool of the World War II Memorial as the shape that surrounds it. So from an aesthetic standpoint, it's, it's an interesting and sort of symbolically resonant choice. And its inclusion... I mean, I think if for no other reason than to introduce relatively inexperienced collectors or collectors who specialize in modern material, it gives them an opportunity to learn a little bit about privy marks and to, and it's, it's just an interesting and distinguishing feature of the coin. So I don't really have any strong feelings about it. I, you know, I feel like taking circulating coins and adding some small thing to sort of make them into a circulating rarity, there is an extent to which that does feel a little bit contrived, but at the same time, you know, if, if it gets people interested and if and if the privy mark serves to be an interesting distinguishing feature of the 2020 West Point quarters, then I I have no issue with it. And Just see, generally a, a mild positive. And I would say the W Mint mark, was that not enough? I, I would ask that question. I think the W Mint mark is enough to make the coin interesting and distinctive. V75 seems out of place on the this quarter program if you want to add that privy mark put it on a different denomination or something i i just to me it yeah it's putting another layer on top of something that's already made special anyways and i am under the impression that distribution for this year's w mint mark coins the mint is working to sort of maximize that and do better than last year which i'm sure our trusty colleague Paul Jilks will have all the details uh, soon, but there was a lot of disappointment with the way things went in 2019. If there's an improvement this year, well, I mean, 2020. I, I never I, found one, so yeah, I was mildly you know, disappointed. We, we looked, but now that being said, there, look, I mean, I, I can't speak for you, but I didn't look very hard. So. I, I didn't look very hard either because I saw that a lot of dealers out there were you know, from the banks were, were getting the boxes and they were selling the boxes at a premium or they were looking through the rolls and pulling them out that way. And and look, anytime you have uh, some sort of rarity, intentional or not, uh, but certainly when there's an information campaign around it as there was last year and the relation to being tied to the Great American Coin Hunt, which will happen again this year, you're going to have people- that it will. Uh, taking advantage and and sort of you know being aware of the things that are out there if the mint were to do something special and only announce it 6 months later then maybe there's a um or once or confirm something once the item is found then that's kind of i think a more effective way in a sense feel free to beat me up online about it uh, comment with our post but Making everybody aware of that this is coming and then, you know, there are already mechanics in place that people can pull these coins out of circulation every year anyway because, you know, there's always a slight premium over face value for, for New Year coins as people, you know, I, I see dealers will sell a $2 roll of nickels for $3 or $4 or whatever just because there's there are individuals that want to get them for their sets, for their albums uh, or their Whitman folders rather. Those mechanics already exist, and so if you're letting people know ahead of time that there's an added incentive to maximize that withdrawal of these new coins, then it does uh, it, it it just makes it a little harder for them to be found by the casual commercial user of the coin. 
Well, and that, that raises the question to me, who is this for? In the sense that the public at large is already interested to the extent that they know about the W Mint Mark quarters and understand what that means. You know, they might already be interested, and the design of the Bat Quarter has already drawn a lot of public attention. Now, obviously, the Mint was unaware. I imagine that the sort of behind-the-scenes process had already been more or less finished in terms of deciding to add the privy marks, and I don't think they were probably aware when they were making those decisions the positive public response that the American Samoa quarter design would garner. But it does beg the question as to whether this is for collectors or this is for the public at large, because the ostensible purpose of the W program in the first place was to try to engage a broader audience of people in the world of coins, right? And then to try to get people digging through their change and thinking about coins as collectibles or as something that is potentially rare, as opposed to just something you might go and, and dig out of your couch to buy a cup of coffee with. Yeah. And, so, and, and, and it muddies the waters, right? Because if you, if you get somebody who's relatively new to the space and you say, oh, by the way, 2019, they struck 2 million examples at West Point, which, you know, most people don't even know has a minting facility. And then you go, by the way, then in 2020, they did that, but then they added another design element to it. Again, I think the, the privy it, mark it, is it out of place. Been, it almost would have been interesting if they'd added the privy mark to like the, the S-Mint proof coins, for example. If they'd added the privy mark to, as you pointed out, another denomination. Nickels. If put them on added, nickels. That's a, that's a big enough. Well, they're, well the thing is, they, they just changed the nickel to 2020W, so it seems like it almost seems like they're stacking new features on each nomination by year. They put W on the quarter in 2019. Now they're putting W Privy on the quarter in 2020. Now they had just you know a regular nickel in 2019. Now it's 2020 W nickel. So will the nickel have a Privy mark, and then the quarter will have a Privy mark and something else in 2021? Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't. I don't want the coins to start looking like a, a NASCAR uh, vehicle with, with all these <laughs> a bunch know, of ads, a bunch ornaments. Of, uh, well, yeah. you know, I mean, so uh, I think the, the the KISS philosophy, keep it simple, stupid. I have positive regard and remarks for David Ryder, the director of the U.S. Mint. He, I think, unlike any Mint director in the last 10, 15, maybe 20 years, gets it and is using the mechanics that are available to him. I mean, Director Moy is, a, is another one who was able to, in, in some small way with the Ultra High Relief Gold Coin, to use the position and try to offer something new to collectors. So kudos to David Ryder. I'm not convinced that the Privy Mark makes sense on the W Quarters, especially when you look at the landscape of this whole series, and then all of a sudden you're adding the W, then you're adding the Privy Mark. I would say, nice idea, try a different denomination. The W is cool enough as an addition, and last year's edition of the W already blew up folders and albums that you know didn't have space for it. <laughs> so that well, was... And, and it's almost as though they're trying to do something in the sort of waning days of the uh, America the Beautiful program. It's, it's almost surprising to me that they didn't start doing this in maybe 2015, you know, at, at roughly the halfway mark of the program. Well, of- no, no, no. J- just stop messing with this program. Do it on something that where it's it's a it's a more organic fit. <laughs> well, or, or, or do it on the new quarters that are going to be released after the uh, Alabama America the Beautiful quarter honoring the Tuskegee Airmen. That's going to be coming out in 2021. You know, the new quarter that gets introduced yeah. then, you could do it on that. I mean, there yeah. And, and there, there are certainly options. Again, I'm not necessarily opposed to it in the sense that it makes the coins interesting. It's, it's, 
it's a way for people to see and learn about privy marks. It, it makes them distinctive. But I do agree with you that there is, um, you know, that it, it might be a little much, especially if they end up if they end up doing more things and sort of stacking all of these uh, all these different features. So anyway, with that, I think we talked over so, the, uh, the the privy mark issue, and now our listeners are privy to the privy mark issue. What um what was going on? Let's 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 start looking backwards. Let's let's look at coins from the past. What was happening this week in history? Jeff? So uh, let's go back to February tenth, eighteen seventy. What was happening on that day, one hundred and fifty years ago? The Carson City Mint released its first silver dollars for circulation, and Ooh. the timing is such. Uh, Okay, February 10th. What is on the cover of the February issue of Coin World? Carson City Mint, 150 years. This week in the, the most recent edition of Coin World, we have Paul Joke's story about sp- some special events at Carson City, striking ceremonies. David Ryder was there, the aforementioned mint director. Uh, so that is very much uh, on top of mind for me, and I think in, for many collectors, because 150 years is a, is a notable anniversary. It's not like 120. It's not 110. It was a good bit ago. Carson City Mint Coins have such a place in the hobby. They are avidly collected. I know you have gleefully showed me some of your Carson City Mint fractionals. Uh, I have and, a, I, and, I have a few. I'm I'm aspiring to to acquire yes. a few more. Now Carson City, of course, big news. I uh, was on all over the pages of Coin World uh, this month. Let's go back to the pages of Coin World this week in Coin World history, and then we'll get to the trivia question. So, what was happening in Coin World history, and why are we going back to this edition? We're we're back in 1979, right? Uh, just a few months before I was born. What was on the front pages of Coin World February 14th? The front pages of Coin World. The big headline was Superior sells. $1,804 to California Mystery Man. Mystery Man in quotes. This story, which we would learn the identity of this Mystery Man, this story is about the sale of the Idler specimen of the famous $1,804. It sold for $200,000, according to Ira Goldberg of Superior Stamp and Coin Company. Of course, Ira and Larry now are with and run Ira and Larry Goldberg Coins and Collectibles, also in Beverly Hills. Coined by the Goldbergs as the king of American coins, this specimen, the Idler specimen, was bought by the same mysterious collector, a big name in the entertainment field, that purchased a specimen of the famed 1913 Liberty Head nickel in July 1978. That nickel was also purchased for the unnamed collector by Superior for the sum of $200,000. Now, the story of the $1804 is... Legend in numismatics, there are three different classes, that's types, based on when they were struck. They were not struck in 1804, they were struck later, some much later. The I think class threes were struck in 1839 or something like that. Who was this magical mystery man that bought this coin on the front page of the coin world? Turns out it was none other than Dr. Jerry Buss. Buss was known for his role with the Los Angeles Lakers. And he is one of the handful of folks that we think of today. If somebody asks you, well, name some celebrities that have collected coins over the years. And there's 
you know, there's a small number. Danny Kay comes to mind, the, the crooner. You have Jack Black today, who's been on late night television show, even talking about coins. You have... Yeah, he, he did go on Conan. There is yes. an interview you can look up on YouTube. In fact, yeah. we'll, we'll link to it in the, in the description. Sure, perfect. Buddy Ebsen, the, the man who would play the Tin Man, but he got sick and later played the stumbling, bumbling Ozark Bumpkin from Beverly Hillbillies. And then, of course, Dr. Buss. That was the big news in Coin World this week. And I thought that was fun because any anytime you can talk about a uh, such a pillar of American numismatics, it's fun to look back at that history and the snapshot of the ownership of that piece. Because, of course, this Coin World didn't have the name and the identification. You have to look at subsequent reporting and subsequent sales to see that, yes, uh, he is the gentleman who had ownership provenance to the uh, aforementioned pieces. Also reminds me of how up until relatively recently, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on the Citizens Coinage Advisory Committee talking about, you know, celebrities or sports figures involved in numismatics in one way or another. He was a member of that group for at least a year or so. I, I seem to remember reading about his leaving the committee and, and looking into a little bit of his history on it. So that's another uh, numismatic celebrity or celebrity involved in numismatics. Yeah. But in the same issue of Coin World from 1979, a few months before the auspicious occasion of Jeff's joining us in this terrestrial realm, there was also a reprinting or a sort of an update to a rather old tradition in American numismatics, the Numismatic Ten Commandments. This appears on the, the letters to the editor page, right under the sort of the, the regular bevy of letters, the, the Numismatic Ten Commandments. The introduction of the article uh, establishes the provenance of the Numismatic Ten Commandments as having originated with Albert H. Wick, um, a Missouri numismatic leader, as the Yay. article describes him, in 1943. So there may have been numismatic commandments that predated this, but the practice, according to this iteration of the, of the Ten Commandments, dates to 1943, but this version was released in 1979. I'll run through all 10, but I'll, uh, I'll try to keep them brief since, uh, you know, otherwise... We could be up on this mountaintop all day, and we don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and I don't feel like hefting those stone tablets down. So, number one, become a numismatist. If you have an interest and desire to collect coins, then become a real numismatist. It's helpful, straightforward, kind of. Two, be a numismatist. A numismatist is a specialist in the science of coins and metals. Number three, be a practical numismatist. At some moment, you will decide which coins most interest you. Specialize in them. I have done poorly. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I broke the third one a number of times already. So that's, that's fine. Or rather, I've been breaking the third one for the better part of 20 years. So, you know, just hopefully I don't go to numismatic hell. Um, four. Respect your coins. Keep them properly in an album or in cases, in proper protective materials, tarnish proof. Always handle a coin by its edge and not its surface. Number five, respect your collection. Don't envy the big collector. Man, I'm doing terribly with these. Don't envy the big collector. He was small once too, but has been at it a little longer than you have. Only the plutocrat can collect all the proof sets. <laughs> actually pretty funny number six respect your hobby <laughs> don't get excited it's a good way to start don't get excited don't rush you are in it from now on select your coins carefully and wisely you need not fill that board overnight number seven 
Respect your fellow numismatists. Either have a good word for the other collector or say nothing at all. Don't talk scandal or knock the other man's collection. That only belittles you and gives him free publicity. <laughs> I like that. Deal with a numismatist is number eight. Become acquainted with reputable dealers through your club meetings or by mail. Uh, by mail. It really was the 70s. Nine. Help other numismatists. Learn all you can about coins so that you can talk intelligently about them to others. If you know something of value, tell your friends at the club. Any help you can give to a new or prospective collector will repay you many times in added pleasure. And ten, be a good numismatist. Be fair, be honest, be patient. If you find yourself in a position of selling coins, do not take unfair advantage of your buyer. You're not trading horses. State truthfully what you know or believe about the condition of the coin. To overcharge may mean the loss of both a friend and a customer. So I think those are actually pretty good rules. I think that, you know, they, they gesture to the importance of, of integrity in the hobby and the passion that people should feel, for, for lack of a, of a better word. Yes, the but... passion that so many people feel for, uh, for this hobby and for this industry and for the, uh, the objects that we all collect. So, you know, some, some thoughts to, uh, to, to take with you as you leave this, uh, this podcast would be to, to reflect on the Numismatic Ten Commandments and well, try, to, try to live them in your numismatic don't... life. Don't don't leave the podcast just yet. Uh, even uh, <laughs> uh, I, I will say those um, those ten commandments stand up pretty well seventy seven years later. Um, but before before you leave the podcast, we have some trivia, and then we have my time at the World Money Fair. So if if you've been listening even half heartedly, you would know one of the two answers to this week's trivia question. That question is: What two U.S. Mint facilities are located on military compounds? Of course, one of the answers is West Point. We've talked about the W Mint Mark coins, and so the West Point Bullion Depository is on a military compound. Duh, West Point, where the college is. Also, lots of army games there. But the other one is Fort Knox Bullion Depository. So that's where the 1933 Double Eagles are stored and pile of gold, at least according to the time they that was visited publicly in the 1970s. So that was the trivia question for last time. Now, the trivia question for next week, we're going to stay with U.S. Mint facilities and this is an expert level, Chris, so it's not the answer you think it is. In what year did the P for Philadelphia, Mint Mark, first appear on coins? What year was the first year that the P, Mint Mark, appears on coins? So, All right, I'll have to, I'll have to mull that one over. I've been, uh, I've been digging through my own uh, set of the Coin World trivia game, and some of those questions are super obscure. This one is a little bit less obscure, and I, I, I think I have a hunch, but we'll have to, we'll have to dig into that next episode and, uh, and inform the listeners. In the interim, so Jeff attended the World Money Fair, not to be confused with the World's Fair of Money, which is what the ANA calls its big annual show, or at least has called its big annual show. So Jeff, you were in Germany attending this, uh, this large show. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. What, uh, what organization puts the show on? How big is it? And, uh, and where is it? So the show has been for 49 years now. It originated with uh, a gentleman by the name of Albert Beck, who was a publisher and dealer in Switzerland, I believe. 
And the show was in Basel, Switzerland until 2006. The first year it was in Berlin. I got to go to that first show in Berlin. I unfortunately never got to go to the one in Switzerland. Other folks, Paul and and others on staff, had gone to the show when it was in Switzerland. And I have now been to the show 13 times, all but two years. And it is enormous. It is it is a trade show mixed with a coin show. You have uh, a lot of the world mints have giant booths, fancy designs, uh, that sort of thing. But then you have dealers selling new circulating coins for a euro each. I mean, I got some of the um, Egypt has been putting out an abundance of circulating coins the last year or two. And so I got a set of those for uh, like 18 different designs, nine themes, two coins for each, and, you know, paid a euro a piece, something just to add to my collection. And we have it for imaging, that sort of thing. It's really cool. It's it's privately owned. So it's not, you know, the ANA is a public institution that owns and runs the World's Fair of Money in the summer every year in the U.S. This is privately owned. It's very big. They always say 10,000 plus visitors attend. I think that's right. Certainly if you add up the attendance figures for all three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's a show like unlike any other. And uh, I love going, get to see old friends and make new ones. So Coin World correspondent and German numismatic journalist Sebastian Viskowski spoke with me about my time there for a video that he's posted on his channels on YouTube, and he shared the audio with us so we could share that with our podcast listeners. You'll hear me talk about all sorts of aspects of this year's show. Hopefully you find it uh, informative and interesting, and maybe next year for the show's 50th anniversary, you can see me there in Berlin. In the dead of winter. <laughs> Here, Berlin's lovely that time of year. That is one thing that uh, is is beyond the organizers' control. I got to go this year to a couple other German cities before the show. Frankfurt, Hamburg, loved them, enjoyed them. Beautiful cities. Berlin has, it just has a darker feel. Lots of graffiti that you don't see in the other German cities. And, and of course, being in winter is not the best time to be a tourist, but let's face it, we're there for the coins and maybe the food and some of you the beer. So uh, that doesn't really matter <laughs> when it comes down to the, the other aspects. It is a great show. Always more to buy than money to, to spend. Always more people to talk to and ideas to share and stories to generate. So here's my interview. Greetings from Berlin, Germany. This is Jeff Stark of the Coin World Podcast. I am here at the 49th World Money Fair. This is actually the 15th event being held here in Berlin. Prior to that, it was in Basel, Switzerland. This is my 13th show. Today, I am lucky to be joined by Sebastian Wiskowski, who is a Coin World correspondent, among other many numismatic journalism feats. Thank you for being here today, Sebastian. Yeah, it's a pleasure, and also for me a pleasure to be in the, yeah, the biggest coin show in the world, not in my hometown, but in the capital of Germany. So. Yes, certainly your home country, so you've, you're, yeah. you're right at home. Yeah. More or less at home, yes, of course. Reports say that there are usually about 10,000 folks who come to the show every year. Any sense of how attendance will flush out for this year? What, what number will hit? 
I think it will definitely not be less than last year's. Maybe there will be no new record. But I was actually pretty surprised the, about the crowds that were in attendance. And especially uh, we had several queues lining, uh, lining, lining up to get coin sets and, and special show items. And so there was actually there was a lot going on on the floor this year. Yes, absolutely. It, it made uh, walking parts of the floor uh, almost treacherous. Certainly, certainly bothersome uh, trying to navigate past the uh, the Belgian Mint booth. Uh, Japan Mint had a line every day for their uh, special World Money Fair set. Uh, they only only had 500 of those available for purchase here at the show, and and only 500 made total. Uh, I know some folks were snapping those up trying to get them for the folks back in. Japan. Uh, of course, before the show, we have the big auction by Kunker, and I know you followed that closely. What, what excited you from the auction on Thursday? Well, it, it, it's, it was everything, of course, especially because it was my first uh, Kunker Berlin auction that I attended, and I was actually surprised that a lot of s separate lots that I didn't think would perform that well, they actually skyrocketed. So I was, I was um, witnessing one lot I don't actually, I close remember what it was, but it was some a piece that was, uh, the starting price was 20,000 euros and it went up to 240,000 euros within 30 seconds. So that was stunning. And the total results, they have been also phenomenal. I talked to a Kunker represent, uh, representative uh, on Sunday morning and he said uh, they had a total starting bid of 7 million and the total final bids were 10 million. So it's once again... Um, if, if anyone says that numismatics is dead in Germany, he should just attend an auction like this and see what's going on. Yeah, I was there with you on Thursday to witness some of the action. Uh, the lot you referenced, 12 yeah. times its, its starting bid, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the overall sales records, that's, that's better than 25% over the pre-sale estimate. Yeah. Uh, so the Kunker folks have to be delighted about that. And it's interesting for uh, those folks who uh, may be listening in the U.S., to come to the Kunker auction because unlike an auction in the U.S., the floor, the, the room where all the action is going on, really is the epicenter. There are folks, I saw, I saw a gentleman from the U.S. who was here to bid in the auction. You know, in the U.S., uh, many folks will stay in their hotel room. Maybe they want the anonymity. They don't want to know, you know, other people knowing they're bidding or they're bidding for clients. Uh, the clients are bidding on the phone, wh whatever the case may be. But this is certainly in contrast to some of the auctions that we see at U.S. shows where they're lightly attended. Now, you know, the bids are strong, of course, yeah. but here the bids were strong, but attendance was strong as well for mm -hmm. the auction. Attendance was strong as well yeah, for yeah, the yeah. show. As, as we mentioned, there was the, um, the booths with special items. It was nice to see this was, I think, the third time for American listeners, third time that the U.S. Mint was in attendance uh, with a booth. They were part of the very popular World Mint Passport program, and uh, they, I think, were among the, the better countries, if you will, from a standpoint of value. Uh, you go to the UK, the Royal Mint booth, and you get a one-pence coin. So that's worth, you know, 1.3 cents. You go to uh, Japan, maybe you get a one or a five or a ten. I don't recall. But that's, you know, no more than 10 cents U.S. You go to the U.S. Mint booth, you get a quarter, 25 cents. So quite a value 
for that in the passport thing. What other are some of your observations from the show? There's always so much to see and do, and I know we paused paths as we're trying to venture here and here and there to cover some of the events. Talk about some of your the highlights for you. Well, from from my point of view, the most interesting thing is definitely that the uh, German coins or the the German mints and the institution that sells coins in Germany they have rebranded themselves and they have like have done a relaunch you might say so they had a very technical name before it was it would translate to sales agency for German coins and of course in German it's a, it's not five words but one or three long words so um, very complicated very old fashioned a mouthful. Yes, yeah, yeah. And um, they have rebranded themselves and they now actually um, appear on the market as Mint of Germany. That's a translation, of course, of the German term. But I think that's very interesting um, because we didn't expect something uh, like this to happen. And you also, you have to know that the German, there are five German mints. They are, each of them are like privately run companies and they also compete with each other on the market. Not, of course, for the euro coins, but when it comes to private issues. And now they have one umbrella name. That's um, very interesting for me um, to see how, how that turns out and if it's really possible to group these five under one roof. Yeah, that actually uh, sort of recalls the change a few years ago when Israel went from the Israel Government Coins and Metals Corporation to Israel Mint to Holy Land Mint. It's an easier way to connect with folks. And when you say, you know, the German mints are the, the place to get money in Germany, that makes sense. It is, uh, it, it is interesting, though, in light of the fact that they are in, um, they cooperate with each other, say, in producing the same designs yeah. with a different mint mark. Yeah. But I know there was, um, you know, the technology for the polymer rings, which yeah. we, we saw yeah. on the floor here, the uh, the German dealer booth. Just like in America, there's a, there's a professional organization or association of dealers here in Germany. Yeah. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but that organization here at the show was selling 10 euro coins for face value. Yeah. This is uh, uh, the new higher denomination yeah. for the coin that features the polymer. Uh, it started with a 5 euro a few years ago, and of course that technology was debuted here in Berlin like five years ago during a technical forum. I remember attending the technical forum where Gunther Watt of the Mint uh, of Bavaria, I believe, uh, talked about the development of this mm-hmm. and, and how long it took several yeah, years. Yeah. Uh, that five euro coin has been very popular. You can see sets of those coins selling for you know 25 euro face value. That's about $28 US. They're going anywhere from 45 to $100, depending on the year. Uh, some of those mints had low mintages, yeah. as, as we said, five, five mints striking the coins, but they didn't all have the same uh, mintage level. Yeah. And so some of the coins have proved to be very tough to yeah. get. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that stands out to me about this show, mm-hmm. the emphasis on modern coins. Yeah. Now, yes, there are dealers selling ancient coins and, and classic German numismatics from the time of the empire almost yeah. 150 yeah. years ago. Uh, even earlier than that, of course, lots of more modern stuff. But so many world mints are here. Yeah. You know, in our site, we see Canada, U.S., Austria behind us, uh, South Africa. Japan Mint was the guest of honor. You'll see people from Bulgaria, uh, Belarus maybe, uh, the Vatican's here. It's just 
the proximity, it's, yep. you know, it's central to Europe. There's so many folks here, uh, Gibraltar, Latvia, Lithuania. It really is a United Nations for numismatics. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And, and all of these folks are selling modern issues, and there are people lined up to buy them. Did you find anything particularly interesting that's in your collection now? Well, I actually, I, I have to be honest, I didn't buy a lot this time. I bought several of these special show issues like the Japanese sets. But I was stunned, for example, how popular the Euro coins are still in the year 2020. Because um, when the Euro was introduced in 2002, we saw some kind of renaissance for numismatics in Europe because everybody was collect, uh, collecting the coins from his pocket. And some years later, the market kind of crashed. And so a lot of people moved away from numismatics. But if you saw people, for example, lining up at the Mint of, of Belgium, the Dutch Mint, the French Mint for their special coin sets for the show and also for the special issues, you have to see that this is still the, the big thing in Germany. And it's still, it's not going down, actually. Yeah, it really is exciting yeah. to see so much collector interest, yeah. a real collector item, yeah. because these are circulating coins. They have a, an a affordable price point. I picked up a couple examples of the 2020 Estonia 2 euro coin. Yeah. It has an Antarctic theme, yeah. a ship. So, you know, love ships on coins. Yeah. It was three euros. Uh, I went to the French Mint booth and got the Charles de Gaulle 2 euro, which yeah. I just, I just wrote about last week. So it was, it was fun to, to have that, uh, to be able to pick up a, an example of that at face value and many coins uh, not at face value but close to face value uh, certainly if, if you bought a roll I didn't buy a roll <laughs> you know I don't, I don't need 20 of the uh, Portuguese uh, five euro wolf coins I, I want one it's neat it's you know cool design it's a very different design but I found a 2019 coin from Algeria that celebrated the 50th anniversary of the moon landing this was a circulating coin I think 100 dinar or dirham whatever it's just amazing to walk by booths and, and just see stacks of modern coins I got a, a bunch of uh, coins from Egypt from 2019 yeah. that, you know, that way we can have images of them for our archives and everything. These are circulating coins and you can get them for a euro, two euros, sometimes three or four euros. It's very affordable. And then, of course, you have the higher end stuff. Yeah. You have, we saw several kilo coins yeah, on the floor. Definitely. There are a lot of folks who are vying for attention, market share, uh, whether that's the Germania Mint who had yeah. their, their new 2020 design. Talk about the design a little bit. The Germania Mint, they actually they were became very popular in Germany um, with those alleg uh, allegory series yes. yeah. um, where they have G uh, Germania paired up with other uh, female personifications of countries like Colombia, Britannia, and so on, and there are some more to, to come. And, but they are also, from my point of view, they are an interesting example of, of newcomers trying to set foot on the market and um, to see that, of course, this is, we, we also in Germany, we used to say this event here, it's like a class reunion, like high school reunion or something. So it's this time, the event of the year where you, uh, everybody rejoins, meets each other, talks what happened to you in the last year and so on. Um, but there are definitely, there are new people coming in and observing them, and, and, and the Germania Mint is just one example, observing them how to 
to set foot on this market, which is very, in Germany, it's very complicated. Um, I would also say it's a very conservative market. So you just, you have to earn your, I don't know how to, call, to say it in, in English, but you, like you... you trust your... Yeah, 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 uh, your, your trust and your merits, and you have to perform before they really let you in. And so that's um, very interesting to see. And of course, uh, despite all this crying and and miserable mis, how do you say miserable misery, misery um, like numismatics is going down and so on there is the next generation of numismatics is waiting and you didn't only see them at the bourse floor here like young people people in, in my age and your y age. Younger than me, younger no, than yeah, you. Yeah, there were even yeah, folks that were younger oh, than we me. Oh, kids, a lot yeah. of kids on the last day. Yeah, but for example, just an example from Germany, we have one dealer who specializes in two euro coins and he sets up at this show every year and I think he is, he is under 30 years old and he has a company with several employees. He has this massive store that he sets up with millions of two euro coins and he has mastered making money out of money in this case and because it's in Germany it's just um, two euro commemorative coins and so there is that's for me also something that is very, from my point of view interesting for readers and listeners in the US that this market is very traditional but there are new people coming in and it's interesting to see how they perform. That reminds me that uh, here at CoinWorld, this was the third year now we've yeah, had exactly. a third, uh, we've had a German language yeah, edition. Yeah. Sebastian contributed to that, edited that. Uh, that had uh, generally stories for myself and some yeah, others yeah, at yeah. CoinWorld and we passed that out at the show. Of course we have people stop and look at CoinWorld and I say Ein Deutsch in, in German yeah. and, and Frei, that helps. Yeah, Frei. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you let them know that you know this. We're trying to provide some information that they that might interest them and excite them about the hobby. Some of the many aspects that we encounter here and at other shows. Yep. It's really been a labor of love and fun to do, and hopefully, yep. uh, you know, we'll keep doing that. This is the first time the Coin World podcast has been yeah. at the World Money Fair in an official capacity because obviously I'm here every year since 2009, but we just started the Coin World podcast last yeah. April. We're excited about how that's going. Uh, we keep getting uh, emails and comments from folks. I, I posted some images on my, my Facebook the other day at the beginning of the show. Uh, of the the crowds lined up and people said you know oh you're in your element this that looks yep, great yep, it looks yep, yep. you talk about a class reunion I always I look at it in two ways so mm -hmm. the first way the familiar mm -hmm. is it's a chance to see old friends and make new make ones, new ones yep. and uh, then the other side of that is you know there's every aspect mm -hmm. of numismatics here yep. uh, there's the main hall behind us here. As, as we uh, do this on the, the end of the show, the main hall here used to actually split room with some of the uh, manufacturers. The back, yep, yep. the back row was manufacturers. These were some of the many German companies like Schuler, Grebner, Spalek, some of the others yep. that are involved in the machinery behind the yep. making the coins. So yep. you have you have those machines. Now the show has gotten so big in the last. 10 years, that there's a whole new hall was built onto the Estrell here in Berlin, and those folks are there in that hall, filling up a hall 
uh, whereas they, they you know, just had a, a small area on the bourse. That area on the bourse then has been able to accompany or accommodate more more dealers. There are um, folks who are into the packaging side of things. There's, you know, half a dozen folks with packaging. So all the, all the pretty packages that your coins come in, if you buy them new from the Mint, uh, the grading services are here, both NGC and PCGS. If you don't want to use the original government packaging, you want to put them in a slab. It's just grown leaps and bounds. I stopped by the German Mint booth, mm-hmm. and I, I forgive me, I don't recall the gentleman's name, but he designed the new 2020 Brandenburg coin. Yeah. And he was signing his autograph yeah. on these postcards yeah. at the booth. And so you have every, everybody from the designer yeah. to yeah. The, the companies making the blanks yeah. and the machines that are striking them, the mints that are selling them new. Yeah. You have the secondary dealers uh, when collectors... Uh, decide to look at some other area of interest for their collection and they decide to sell off part of a collection. Mm -hmm. Obviously, these these dealers uh, can then be involved. Every part of the life cycle of numismatics is here at Berlin. Mm -hmm. And I've been fortunate to now I've been, like I say, this is my 13th show. I've been to Beijing twice. Uh, I've been to a Tokyo show. I've been to a couple Coinexes in London. This is unique. I mean, th- nowhere else will you find this confluence of folks at all stages of the life si- yeah. cycle, like I say. And so it is special. Um, it is unfortunately in January or February, yeah. <laughs> the end of January, early February. Uh, so it's not exactly the most hospitable time to come visit no. Berlin, but it is really a homecoming, yeah. as you say. Um, do you have any uh, closing remarks? Uh, because you know, there, there's a lot that we see, and maybe I'm forgetting something. Although I will say, my I think my favorite piece out of this that I saw was at the French Mint booth, Monet de Paris. And they have a, an eight-sided octagonal coin coming out in a few months for General Lafayette, who was so important to the American cause. Now, why does this coin, why is this coin octagonal? Because it's replicating a 200-year-old medal that was octagonal. Mm. And uh, it's really cool. Coin World will have a story about that. That's probably my favorite piece yeah. that I saw that's coming out soon. What are some of your final thoughts? Well, uh, it's very interesting what you mentioned on the, like, the differences of a German show or what makes this show special. Because I, uh, also due to our friendship and my work for CoinWorld, I had been fortunate to see some shows in the US. And there are actually some things that I, from my point of view, the, the, the Americans do better about coin shows. Like, for example, the educational aspect, I think, is much stronger in, in the US that you have those um, presentations and, and prizes and awards and so on. You don't see this here at all. And the World Money Fair will have their 50th anniversary next year. And they have already started trying to innovate themselves. That was also, I don't know if I wrote something about it, but last year we had a new CEO of this um, fair who then and who should be an innovator, who, who was supposed to be an innovator and, and stepped down after some months. So there is, it's very interesting for me to see what comes next year because it's not only the next year's show, but it's the 50th anniversary. And I saw several details at this show that made things a bit more innovative. And one was mentioned by you just a minute ago, the autograph signing of the German 
Uh, Jordi Truxa is the name. Ah, yes. uh, the, <laughs> I knew the, you could say. The engraver, <laughs> yeah, it's coincidence that I know it, but... Um, the, there was the German engraver, there was the French uh, oh, yeah. Joaquin Jimenez who yes, won yes. The, um, the the Lifetime Achievement Award last year and they made autograph signings. And at first when I read this I thought, isn't that a bit awkward to have engravers to depict them as superstars and let them do their autographs? But then I thought... They're absolutely right. They are the superstars of this business. They are the artists. They are the professionals. And they deserve their spot. And this is something that was very well accepted by the audience. So, for example, I saw a lot of people lining up at the French Mint. They didn't know who Joaquin Jimenez was. They wanted an autograph. They even tried to pull out the few words French that they learned at school and be hmm. polite and so on. Merci. Yeah, like merci and 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 s'il vous plaît and something. And that their like their numismatics became alive and becomes the thing that I like about numismatics that you get to know languages, culture, history, geography, and so on. And I'm very excited to see what they have in store for next year. That's a good point to make, though, to talk about how, you know, the, the emphasis on the artist and the stars, yeah. because we see that at the Coin of the Year Award, which mm -hmm. is was every Saturday at 3 o'clock, or, sorry, 1500 <laughs> local time, <laughs> um, the Coin of the Year Award is held in the, I think, the Paris room, yes, and uh, we were there yesterday. We saw Latvia win the Coin of the Year for this beautiful gold honeycomb coin. Yeah. Uh, Latvia won a couple awards. You had... Royal Australian Mint won an award for their beautiful uh, domed uh, concave convex yeah. earth uh, design silver coin. There's you know, Austria won a couple. Uh, it, it was a nice uh, mix of, of recipients. Mm -hmm. But I was sitting there looking at the events unfold, all the photographers, the, the flashes going off. Yeah. It's, it's very much like the numismatic Oscars, Oscars yeah. <laughs> or Golden Globes. Yeah. I, I like Golden Globes, you yeah. know, because yeah. of gold in there. Yeah. But it, it's like the Golden Globes for, yeah, uh, the, for coin design. Coin well, was a, was a winner, yes. Yeah. There wasn't a red carpet. There wasn't, you know, TMZ wasn't out there harassing the attendees. Maybe, yeah, maybe, is, maybe. I think that's fortunate that TMZ was not present here, but... Coin World and their German correspondent was here. Yeah, well, may, maybe we can do that next year. And yes. no, no, but it, it was really neat to it, the celebration of the artistry behind it. Um, there was a gentleman from Finland who won the uh, Lifetime Achievement yeah. Award, Reho Pavel Pavelinen. Something. Say the name. <laughs> I, I apologize to Henna if she happens to see this uh, from the Mint, but no, it, it's it really is just uh, it's such a unique event, and I know unique in numismatic terms is overused and used incorrectly. Mm -hmm. uh, there's only one. That's the true. You know, so, sometimes people say, "Oh, that, these are some really unique coins." Well, no, you can't have multiples of something and it be unique. This is truly a unique event. And uh, we're going to have some coverage of it uh, print-wise, uh, you know, in print on coinworld.com. Uh, I'll probably be talking about it with regular podcast co-host, yeah, Chris, yeah. and uh, just sharing some ideas and things that, that really came out of it. The, the fun. This is fun. If somebody, uh, you know, there, there's a gentleman from the U.S. who loves coins so much, and, and I, I didn't ask his permission, so I'm not going to divulge his name, but he, he comes over here on his time and his, his money because he loves coins so much, and he, he bought a, a neat coin from the Canadian Mint. Yeah. He bought from Germania. He stopped it at several others, and this is too bad. It, we, this show couldn't be around spring break, and, yeah, yeah. and folks could come here for spring break, although 
you want to go to Cancun or you want to go to Berlin and, and play with coins? <laughs> well, I would definitely choose Berlin, so that's, uh, yeah. But I am, I'm also, I'm very much looking forward not only to, like, to, to, to come to the U.S. and see some show, shows, but also next year will be very special with the 50th anniversary. So there, if you ask about attendance numbers, we will probably have a new record there because there will be even more people around here. And, yeah. Absolutely. And of course, I just maybe I'm I'm not paid for this by the German uh, Ministry of Tourism, but uh, Germany. It's as you said, it's not the most uh, hospitable time to come here, but it's still Berlin is always worth a visit, and um, also the rest of Germany. And so, yeah. And uh, it doesn't matter the weather if you're sitting inside yeah, lifting a exactly. pint, <laughs> yes. yeah, or lifting lifting boxes of coins. So um, that's. Uh, you have you have a pint. I'll have a pretzel, yeah. but uh, and a bratwurst, a currywurst. On that note, uh, this uh, this is our little special edition of the Coin World podcast uh, from Berlin, recorded on the final day of the show. We um, hope that this excites you, whets your appetite for maybe you can swing coming next year, the big 50th anniversary. And as we learn what special things are in place for next year, uh, we'll talk about them and share that with you. Certainly, thank you uh, for having me here or being here, Sebastian. And uh, until the next show, happy collecting. That was what I hope you find will find was an interesting and informative interview on site at the World Money Fair with me and CoinWorld contributor, German correspondent Sebastian Viskowski. Certainly hope that we see you at the next show. 2021 will be the 50th anniversary. And a reminder, we want to see you next week, right, Chris? Or hear you. We want you to hear us. Well, we would like you to be in the audience next week, I think is uh, is what you're getting at. Um, Yeah, again, as as I so often do at the top of the podcast here at the end, I would like to uh, implore you to continue listening every week. You know, every every listen we get means means a lot to us. We like to you know, we like to think that we're, we're reaching an audience and that we're trying to, and that, you know, it's informative and helpful. And if you find it informative and helpful, or if, if you don't, or you have criticism or, or questions, comments, concerns, crises, etc., um, feel absolutely free to reach out to us. Our emails are on the, uh, are on the podcast page and we tend to be, you know, I, I know Jeff is probably a little better than I am, but you know, we, we try to get responses out as quickly as possible. And, you know, and if, if you ask us a question that's interesting or you, you send us a perspective that's that we find, you know, valuable or worthy of inclusion, we'll definitely throw it onto an episode. So you might even get to hear uh, get to hear your name on the pod. So uh, keep on listening and you know and remember those numismatic ten commandments and uh, and try to try to live those in your in your coin collecting and, and uh, currency collecting lives. I will add the eleventh numismatic commandment is subscribe to the coin world podcast. <laughs> Yeah. And and maybe the twelfth, and maybe the twelfth. I, I, I was under the impression I was under the impression that commandments were generally pretty set in stone. I feel like it's hard to add other ones. But okay, well, how about this one? Until next week, happy collecting. Thank you for listening to the Coin World podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Send us your questions and feedback on Facebook at facebook.com/coinworld or on Twitter at coinworld. Be the first to know about our next episode by signing up for our newsletter. Go to coinworld.com and click on free newsletter to sign up today.
This episode of the Coin World Podcast was brought to you by the Coin World Marketplace. All the safety, trust, and convenience you'd expect from Coin World. With over 40,000 coins available, visit coinworld.market to explore our inventory today.